the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. It is not that they wanted to believe. It is not that God said, aha, I'm going to be so cruel to you and I'm going to harden you because you are people who have been disobeyed. No, no, the truth of the matter is that they hardened their own hearts, just like Pharaoh. They hardened their hearts to the point where God stepped in and said, I'll let you have exactly what you want. I'll help you. I'll harden it for you. It's not that God hardened their hearts against their will. It's that God simply accommodated them and complied with them. God hardened them only after they hardened themselves. Same thing with Pharaoh. There is a natural numbness that develops through repeated and prolonged exposure to almost anything we do not like. We often notice it in household odors. Have you ever visited someone and noticed a strong smell that your hosts did not notice? Well, there's a good chance that the smell came on so gradually that they adapted to it without realizing how offensive it would be to anyone entering their home. Tragically, we can become numb or hardened to our spiritual situation even more easily than to our physical situation. And if we allow that to happen, God will punish us for it. Today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff will consider how that ties into the present-day relationship between God and Israel. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. The prophet Elijah grew discouraged and complained to God that he was the only one in Israel who was faithful. He had no idea that there were 7,000 others who were faithful to God until God revealed that information to him. Our text for these lessons on Israel is in Romans chapter 11. In verse 5, Paul told us that in the same way God kept 7,000 righteous men in Elijah's time, he had kept a remnant in Paul's time. Let's resume Pastor Steve's lesson at that point. In every age, there are Jewish believers. That's what he's speaking about now. About now. Not many, but some. When I accepted Christ, I thought I was the only Jewish person in the world who had ever done this. I really did. And you would, you would think that those around me would have shown me otherwise. But those around me did little to show me otherwise. Most Christians I met put me on a pedestal. They treated me as if I was exhibit A at the zoo. Oh, a Jewish believer. And they would say things to me like like this, isn't it wonderful to be Jewish and a Christian? I was just trying to figure out what I had gotten into, what was going on here. And they're asking me these questions. I don't know. Yeah, it's okay. You know, I'd say things like that. Yeah, I guess it's all right. I never thought about it. They should have known better. I know they meant well, but they should have known better that the Bible says that there is always a remnant. I I was not the only one. Jewish people coming to Christ today is not a new phenomenon. I think perhaps there are more Jews coming to Christ today than in other times as God is getting us ready for the end times and the tribulation, and then all Israel will be saved. But 
there's always been a remnant. In Elijah's day, there was 7,000 men and then one discouraged prophet. In Paul's day, there was a Jewish church at Jerusalem. And down through the centuries, there have been Hebrew Christians who have left their mark on the church. A man by the name of Nicholas of Lyra, you probably never heard of, of him, but I'll tell you who did hear of him. Martin Luther heard of him. And John Wycliffe heard of him because Nicholas of Lyra, Hebrew Christian scholar in the 14th century, wrote a commentary on the book of Romans. It so influenced Luther and also Wycliffe that they had a handle now on the doctrine of justification by faith. It set off the Reformation. There are some scholars who believe that the influence of this Hebrew Christian had such an impact on Luther and then later Wycliffe that the Reformation might not have occurred from a human standpoint, we understand, if he had not had this influence upon them. There are others you ought to know about. The man who founded the Salvation Army, General Booth. I just read the other week that he was born of Hebrew stock. Now, I don't know if that means his parents, his grandparents, or whatever, but the man who founded the Salvation Army. Some of you received uh, the magazine Israel My Glory this last week or two. In it was an excellent article by Will Varner on Are the Ten Tribes Lost? There are groups who believe that the Ten Tribes are lost. They believe that England and America... Are, are part of the, uh, the Israel, and it's called British Israelism. It is false. It is not true. Will Varner wrote to refute that. And you know what he took up most of his article, or a good part of his article with? Quoting the concepts, or at least mentioning the concepts that have written down by David Barron. David Barron was a great student to the Word of God, and he was a Hebrew Christian scholar who wrote on the ten tribes of Israel and said they are not lost, and he refuted that that argument that they are lost. There's nothing been written in, in about 100 years that's better than what David Barron wrote years ago. Then there is Felix Mendelssohn, musician and composer. Benjamin Disraeli, former prime minister of, of England, both Hebrew Christians. Alfred Edersheim's book, The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah, are a classic. Most of us are familiar with John MacArthur, but did you know that the man who has influenced John MacArthur perhaps more than anyone outside of his father was dear Dr. Charles Feinberg of Talbot Seminary, great Hebrew Christian. So there has always been a remnant of Jewish believers, and this remnant, this elect remnant, Paul says, is saved by grace. Look at verse 6. And I think Paul just had to put this in here. Just, it's not totally germane to the argument. He just took every opportunity to explain the grace of God. But if it is by grace, because he mentioned it's according to God's gracious choice in verse 5, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. You see, that's the reason they're the remnant, because they obviously see that the only way they can come to the Lord is through faith, by grace, not works. The reason the others are not the remnants is because they're trying to work their way to heaven. The reason that Israel is in unbelief is that they refuse to submit themselves to the righteousness of God. That's what we just looked at in Romans 10, 1 through 3. They know the truth, but they refuse it. In fact, they stumble over Christ. You know why they stumble over him? They were so proud of their own efforts that when God pointed to Christ as a lowly stone and the way of salvation, they rejected him. Because he was rejected by men, but approved by God 
they said no. They turned away because they didn't think they needed a savior. They thought they needed a political deliverer. They didn't think they needed a savior from sin because they didn't see themselves as sinful. Because they saw themselves as doing enough good things to get God's approval. And that's why they stumbled over him. They turned away because they never saw how sinful they really were. But the remnant, they see how sinful they are. And that's why they come by the way of grace. You see, grace is is different. Works, it says in verse 6, works cannot be mixed with grace. If you mix works and grace, you only have works. Grace stands alone. Works and grace are mutually exclusive. I mean, you hear people say, if you ask them what they're basing their salvation on, I'm basing it on on faith in Christ. Yes, but I have to work a little bit. No, no. Your works come out of your your faith. That's That's what James says. Show me your faith and or show me your works and I'll, I'll prove that you have faith. But you don't work your way to heaven. You can't say, yes, I believe in Christ, but I'm also working here. Then you, then you simply cut off faith in Christ. It has to be one or the other. It's either works or grace. It's either all of Christ or not Christ at all. You can't combine the two. I remember one of the greatest struggles that I had with the gospel. This was either the time I came to know Christ or just before it. I really struggled over this issue of works and grace. My grandfather was an Orthodox Jew, came from Russia in the early 1900s, fought in the Japanese-Russian War. He left that land and came over here to start a new life. He was an Orthodox Jew, meticulous about the law, kept the Sabbath, kept a kosher home, kept all these other things that I'm not even familiar with meticulous law keeper. And then I heard that the gospel was one of grace, that you couldn't get to heaven by doing good works. And I really struggled with this. I didn't know my grandfather very well, but I knew that he was ultra religious. And I struggled over not so much my religious works, but his religious works. And I thought, look, how could you tell me? And I I said this to the fellow who led me to the Lord. I said, how can you tell me that my grandfather who did all these things is not in heaven now? That was really a struggle, because if I admitted that the gospel was true, then I admitted that my grandfather had blown it all of his life. But, you know, the truth still stands, whether people accept it or not. And God worked in my heart. I came to that point where I realized that the gospel was one of grace, not works. And that was a personal struggle for me. The remnant trusts God for his righteousness, and the rest work for it. And Paul says they never obtain it. And that's the sad part. Look at verse 7. Paul's going to tell us about the others. Where he says the remnant believed. The remnants are saved by grace. But what about the others, Paul? What then? That which Israel is seeking for. And what are they seeking for? Righteousness. They were concerned about getting to heaven by their own works. It has not obtained. The rest have not obtained it. Why? Well, they seek it by works, not by faith. But those who were chosen, that is the remnant, the elect, they obtained it. And the rest were what? hardened or blinded, some versions say. It really should be translated hardened, but it's the same thought. The word means to cover with a thick skin, to harden by covering as with callous. Callous skin is insensitive skin. If you've ever played handball a lot, your hand will become calloused. And you have to play a lot or else it will kill your hand to hit that ball. Jewish people have been made insensitive to the gospel. In fact, this Greek word is parosis. It almost sounds like our word paralysis, which means no feeling. 
That, that's the thought. There's no feeling. They're hardened. In fact, that's why it can be so frustrating witnessing to Jewish people. I've had that, and I know you've had that, where you say, but look, it's so clear. Look at Isaiah 53. Look, it's so clear. And people say to me, I explained to this person the gospel, and they just looked at me, and they didn't, they didn't care, and they couldn't see it. And Well, the rest were hardened. God judicially has hardened Israel so that they could not believe. But let me explain. It is not that they wanted to believe. It is not that God said, aha, I'm going to be so cruel to you and I'm going to harden you because you are people who have been disobeyed. No, no, the truth of the matter is that they hardened their own hearts, just like Pharaoh. They hardened their hearts to the point where God stepped in and said, I'll let you have exactly what you want. I'll help you. I'll harden it for you. It's not that God hardened their hearts against their will. It's that God simply accommodated them and complied with them. God hardened them only after they hardened themselves. Same thing with Pharaoh. It's not that God was unrighteous with them. Never. Present-day Israel is plagued by a threefold blindness. Their blindness has been caused by the fall of man, which all unregenerate people have, according to Ephesians 4.18. Theirs blindness caused by Satan, according to 2 Corinthians 4.4, all unsaved. The God of this world has blinded them, lest they see the glorious gospel. But they have also another blindness, and that is the blindness caused by God, a hardening. Now, remember Paul's arguments, okay? Don't, don't get sidetracked here, because it's very important. Paul's argument is this. Israel's setting aside is not full. It's only partial. Now, he says there's the conversion of Paul. There's the chosen remnant. And one other proof, there's the confirmation of Scripture. Now watch this. The Old Testament spoke of this hardness. This is not anything new. Every Jew would have understood this because Paul kind of puts together uh, the combination of prophets, Moses and, and Isaiah and then David to show that a chosen remnant within a hardened nation isn't anything new. It is confirmed by Scripture. Look at verse 8. Just as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor. It means a numbness. A numbness, that, that's all. It's just like being stung by an animal and, or an insect. And it, there's a numbness there. Eyes to see not and ears to hear not. Down to this very day. Jewish people, by and large, except for the remnants, are numb and dull to the gospel. They don't care about it. Dear friends of, of mine, was in this area this week, Irvin Robertson, who was my professor at Moody. In fact, he taught me Romans. And he told me about his cardiologist, who was Jewish. And uh, he was speaking to his cardiologist about the Lord. And, and what, he, what Mr. Robertson said to me is that the man just didn't care. There's a numbness there. He just doesn't care. He's not interested. That's what Paul is saying. Verse 9. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap. And a stumbling block and a retribution to them. Let their eyes be darkened to see not and bend their backs forever. Lest you think that, that David is being cruel and wicked. He's not. This is a quote from Psalm 69, which is a great messianic psalm. Quoted many times in the New Testament. And it predicts the suffering and the rejection of the Messiah. And David prophetically is speaking of that. He says, let their table become a snare and a trap. What does a table speak of? A table speaks to everybody of privilege and feasting and blessing. I mean, 
It's like, let's get this thing on the road. Let's, let's eat. Let's partake. It speaks of nourishment. It's a good thing. A table is a good thing. But Israel's table became a trap for them. The thing that they should have been feasting upon and God's blessing to them became a trap for them. A net used in hunting. That's the thought here. What could it possibly be? What could the table stand for? It is a feast and a blessing and a, and a, a token of mercy to them became a trap because they used it to try to earn their way to heaven. So now, according to verse 10, they are pictured as under the judgment of God, bent over, as if grasping to find some light, lest they fall. And that's the picture here, bent over, darkness, trying to get some guidance, lest they fall, like a man bent over and just trying to feel his way with a cane or a stick. And don't miss the point. Don't miss the point. Israel cannot be permanently set aside because God's been hardening the majority of the nation for most of their history. This isn't anything new. How should anybody, why would anyone come along and say, aha, they rejected the Messiah, therefore God rejected them. And Paul's saying, look, they have always been hardened. I want you to understand that, that, that Israel didn't become hardened because they rejected the Messiah. They rejected their Messiah because they were hardened. Isaiah Chapter 6, Isaiah chapter 6, most of you are familiar with verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Now most of us stop there, but God did send him. And you know who he sent him to? Listen, he said, go and tell this people, keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking. But do not understand. I mean, that was Isaiah's ministry. Imagine a ministry like that. You think you have it tough? God said, Isaiah, you go and you tell them to keep on listening, but they won't perceive. You tell them to keep on looking, but they won't understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive. Their ears dull, their eyes dim, lest they see with their eyes and, and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and repent and be healed. Isaiah, your ministry is to speak to them about unbelief and blindness and dullness. That's Isaiah's ministry. Israel was already hardened before Christ ever came. In fact, that's, that's nothing new. We look at John chapter 12, and I want to show you this is exactly what John said took place. John chapter 12, verse 37. But though he had performed, that is Christ, so many signs before them, these signs showing his authenticity, authenticating his messiahship, yet they were not believing in him. Well, why weren't they believing in him? That the word of Isaiah, the prophet, might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now, that's Isaiah 53. For this cause, they what? Could not believe. For Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and harden their hearts lest they see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and be converted and I heal them. These things Isaiah said because he saw his glory and he spoke of him. It wasn't that they wanted to believe. It wasn't that at all. They didn't say, oh, we have open hearts. No, they had closed hearts. It wasn't that they wanted to believe and God said, you cannot believe. I won't let you believe. No, God never does that. No, they didn't want to believe the truth down through the ages. So God hardened their hearts to the point that when the truth actually stood in their midst, they couldn't even see him for who he was. We look at Matthew chapter 21. I want you to see that Israel has always been hardened. Israel has always been blinded. This is not a new phenomenon. 
The rejection of Christ is simply the consummation of their blindness and hard, hardened heart. It's not the cause of it. Matthew 21, verse 33. Listen, Jesus said to another parable, there was a landowner who planted a vineyard to put a wall around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and rented it out to the, the vine growers and went on a journey. And when the harvest time approached, he sent his slaves to the vine growers to receive his produce. And the vine growers took his slaves and beat one and killed another and stoned a third. Now, who do you think they are? They're the prophets. The father sent his prophets and they killed them. And he sent, or they, or they, yeah, he beat them and then killed them. And he sent another group of slaves larger than the first and they did the same thing to them. But afterwards, he sent his son to them saying, they'll respect my son. It's only a parable. It's only a parable, but you get the point. But when the vine growers saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. And they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Jesus said, which of the prophets did you not kill? And they also killed the son. I've always been hardened. Matthew 23, verse 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I mean, the Lord's heart is broken because they've rejected him. Who kills what? The prophets and stones those who were sent to her. This isn't anything new. My dear friend Marv Rosenthal loves to say this, so I'll quote him. He says, Israel was not just naughty but nice. Maybe you've read that or heard him say that. Israel has always been a stiff-necked, rebellious people. Always, even before Jesus ever walked in their midst. Marv points out that there were times in Israel's history things got so bad they were actually sacrificing their children. Burnt offerings. Israel has never been the obedient people God wanted them to be. So we should never wonder if God has set Israel aside permanently and replaced it with the church. Why? Because the Old Testament scriptures simply confirm that the majority of Jewish people have always been disobedient and rebellious to God's word, and therefore they are hardened. God still has a plan for his people. See, that's the point. Unbelief on the, on the part of the majority has never canceled God's promises to them. So why do you think that they would cancel his promises now that they've rejected the Messiah? God's put up with this kind of stiff-necked rebellion all through their history. It's not new. It's not new. He works through chosen remnants who are not hardened. I find great reassurance in the fact that no matter how disobedient Israel was, God kept and will keep His promises to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, and me. But nevertheless, God has temporarily set aside Israel, and we will see why on the next Verse by Verse. This is Peter Silseth, and our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor at Lakeside for more than 28 years, and these daily radio Bible classes are an outgrowth of his pulpit teaching ministry. If you missed part of today's class, or you want to catch up on any previous lessons from this series of studies in the 11th chapter of Romans, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. Feel free to download any of the audio files in the archives and even share them with friends who may not be able to listen to the radio. 
If you haven't already signed up for it, I recommend the free podcasting service so that you never need to miss any future classes. Check it out at versebyverseradio.org. Our lesson today was the middle of a three-part message. You can order a CD or a cassette of this entire message by calling us at 727-239-0306. That's 727-239-0306. Charles Spurgeon said that a person's life is always more forcible than his speech. He said when people take stock of someone, they reckon his deeds as dollars and his words as pennies. I've read that years ago, the communist government in China commissioned an author to write a biography of Hudson Taylor. The purpose was to distort the facts and discredit this amazing missionary. But as the author did his research, he was increasingly impressed by Taylor's saintly character and godly life. Eventually, at the risk of losing his own life, the author set aside his pen and received Jesus Christ as his savior. I have never learned the source of that story, but what a great example of the impression our lives can leave on others. Let's plan to meet back here for the next verse by verse to discuss the importance of godly living to effective witnessing. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.